When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everybody? So we had some audio problems with the recording, and I ended up sounding kind of distant. So what I did was I went back and tried to do some edits after the fact, make it listenable, make it tolerable. So uh, hopefully it's good enough to uh, enjoy it, and I uh, just wanted to give you that disclaimer, right? Yeah. Did you see the memo about this? Ah, yes, it's almost Philadelphia Eagles o'clock in the Delaware Valley. They have just cut Carson Strong, and uh, there will be more cuts to come. We'll get it back to that momentarily, but first, ho-hum. You know, your Philadelphia Union, another 6 nothing win here. You know, a 6 nothing win, a 7 nothing win, a 6 nothing win. They just continue to uh, obliterate teams. So they're going to make some time for the Philadelphia Union today. We're going to put the Eagles off to the side. We're going to welcome back to the program Matt Ralph from the Brotherly Game. What's going on, man? Uh, much. Uh, it's, it's good to be here talking about the Union scoring goals and uh, getting clean sheets. Yes, if you told me, uh, you know, six years ago when we started this podcast that I would we would be talking about six nothing wins, any six nothing win, let alone multiple six nothing wins in one season, and a seven nothing win and a uh, plus thirty seven goal differential, I would have. Uh, you know, looked out my window and saw uh, that hell had frozen over and that pigs were flying. But, you know, this is the reality that we're living in and with your, uh, your your first place to fill it off the union. Yeah, I've been another obliteration on Saturday night, this time of the uh, Colorado Rapids. And so the statistic came out from Opta that was widely shared and circulated and even made it on the crossing broad, was that the union uh, now have the most victories by six goals or more in Major League Soccer, and not not just not just this, this season, like all of all time, they have they they have been in existence since 2010, and they now have the most six six goal victories in the entire league. And to boot, all four of those wins have happened in the last uh, six weeks. So I, I'm flabbergasted. I don't really have many words for it. So I guess I'll toss it to you in an effort to try to find words for that. Yeah, I mean, it's they, they've done what, you know, no team has done in MLS history in a matter of weeks, which is just, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, it says a lot about the front line and just how, how informed they are. But it also, unfortunately, says a lot about how uh, unprepared some of these teams have been uh, playing against them. So are you are you of the mindset that like yeah you know let's not get ahead of ourselves here because BC stinks and you know Houston and Colorado came over Western Conference teams Colorado had the red card I mean it's hard to do like any kind of not Negadelphia but trying to be pragmatic about big wins like that but do do they you know for for you know the MLS fan at large who's looking at these score lines and us having watched all four of those games do they pass the high test for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think what matters about those is that they can score goals in bunches, but also that they're not giving up goals in games like that. Because, you know, I, I, I 
you know, maybe be a little bit concerned if they were winning six to four or six to three because they'd be like, wait, what happened to the defense? Uh, but really, you know, they're, they're they're built to they're still a team that's built to to win one nil. So um, those goals can dry up tomorrow, and they you know they could they could still be uh, you know playing in playing in the final weekend. So I mean, yeah, you do look a little bit about um, you know how much these teams fell apart in those games, but also how much the the errors were forced by just you know the play that you've seen from the front line. I mean. Colorado gave away two, you know, kind of dumb penalties. Um, and then yeah. late, they just, you know, they, they actually played better, I think, with 10 men. Um, and yeah. maybe, the, maybe the, the old ghost of the union not, you know, being able to score playing against 10 men uh, came back a little bit. But but really, it's just they're putting teams under so much pressure. They fall apart. And, you know, they have the guys who can put the ball in the back of the net on, on you know, against teams, you know, just can't can't match up against them. So, I mean, yeah. no, there's nothing negative about it, but it's also kind of like, okay, well, um, you know, it, it, it takes – it, it, there's a reason this hasn't really happened before because, you know, you haven't had that combination of just teams playing that poorly against teams playing that well uh, in the past. Yeah, I mean, there's two thoughts there. You know, number one, because you asked, like, well, are they going to go out and beat Austin 6 to nothing? No. Of course not. But, I mean, other teams, the, the Rapids and the Dynamo and D.C. United aren't losing 6 nothing and 7 nothing to these other teams. Yeah. You know, they're, they're play, they, they, you can say that those teams stink, but they have to play other teams besides Philadelphia, too. And you look at the results are not what they are for those teams. And I think your point is the most important point is that, they're, yeah, they're not winning 6-3. to three. They're not winning 7-5. to five. They're, they're clean sheets in all of these. So we've said it. That when they went out to Cincinnati and they gave up the three goals, that when we, the pattern that we've seen with this team over the years is that when they have a shit defensive game, it's a one-off. You know, they get it all out of their system and they make all their mistakes in the same game, which is crazy because they come back and then, they, and then like the, the opponent under is in play again. So even if you're saying, well, it's an outlier, you know, Colorado has a red card and six goals is not going to happen, you know, against a better team or whatever, they're not going to do it like three times or four times in a row, of course not. But you say, well, I mean, the back line is from the back line. They've given up 20 goals, man. That, that's yeah. the lowest amount in the entire league. And if you look at the, the goal differentials and whatnot, they're plus 37. But a huge reason for the plus 37 is not just those outlier goals that they're scoring in these four games. is because they're not conceding either. You know, LA has only given up 30 goals, which is amazing. But they're 10, they're 10 off with the union of conceding. So it's not just that, like, you know, that they're scoring all these goals instead of the defense. You know, and I just, I do want to carry it from there, but let me just make a quick point about the Colorado game. So I want to see if you agree with this. I thought it was a weird first half um, because, you know, that first goal, Kai Wagner's trying to play a long diagonal, right? And it actually takes a deflection and it like falls in between two guys. The left wing that Mark Munich had, had a terrible game, he was looking for the offside, then there's some ball watch in there, so they score on that. The second one was a terrible. It was a terrible penalty for them to give up. You can't grab a guy on the shoulders and pull him back and decide that you're not going to get a whistle there. The third one, I didn't think it was a penalty at all. I mean, I thought Olivier and Bias had pulled slip. And then when Biasio was sent off, yeah, he grabbed him to break up the attack going forward. But I thought his first yellow was BS. So I thought Alan Chapman was pretty horrible. He also had the non-call against Blake, where Colin Warner basically jumped into it and just clobbered him. So I just thought it was funky, man. I didn't – not to go like negative after whatever because I thought the union were going to steamroll pretty good regardless, but I just thought that was such a weird thing with a guy who probably didn't deserve to be sent off a penalty that the union didn't deserve. But they, even if you take that stuff away, they still went up to nothing. 
Yeah, it, it, but it is. I mean, it, even within that, it's interesting because Colorado got, you know, teams get chances against the Union. Usually one or two early in the game is yeah. when you can score against the Union, and they didn't capitalize. And, I mean, I thought Bar- I mean, Barrios, I was really impressed with him. I mean, his, his pace is, is uh, outrageous. Um, so, so he did present some problems for the back line. And I think early on, it looked like, okay, there was some, there was, there was a way through for Colorado score first, but then once you miss your chance and then you give up a goal, the other side against the union, like that's, you know, that's, that, that is to me, that can sometimes be the difference between them winning six nil or them losing one nil. Like I saw, uh, unfortunately I, I haven't seen any of these, uh, massive goal scoring games. I went to the game in FC Dallas where they didn't score. So, um, yeah. so it really, and obviously FC Dallas is a, is a way better. Uh, I mean, their 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 defense is really well organized. I mean, they um, they did not they did not give uh, the Union much to work with aside aside from just passing the ball around trying to find some seams. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a weird game, and also that it's it's one of those things where the again the Union offense really. Uh, it's like the defense does its job, and even when it's not playing its best, maybe to start games sometimes, or, or you know, they, they're they're trying to figure out how to match up against a guy like Barrios. Um, you know, you, you can't practice against that that pace, right? So, no. so early on, and, but the fact that they like kind of weather like not even a storm, but just a little like a chance here or there, and you have Blake. Um, who so often kind of comes up with those big saves, even early in games when teams have chances. And yeah. then it's just that, you know, that just gives such a boost to the whole team. And I think the offense kind of responds in kind from that. It was funny, too, about the Blake play with Warner, because even after he, like, collided into him and then both fell down to the ground, he volleyed the, the ball, and, and Blake was falling down on his rear end, and he still stuck a hand up and still knocked over the ball. Not like the most Andre Blake thing of all. The guy's been <laughs> fouled. He's falling down on his ass, and he still gets a hand on it, and he deflects it up over the net from, like, point-blank range. It's just, it's just crazy if you think about it. But I agree with all that. And it's, and it's funny because um, I actually have three – okay, so three separate – two gosh dog topics and one just fleeting thought from me. Uh, I thought for sure he would take the second penalty because he was on a hat-trick then, and he could have had the first half hat-trick. Now, we can, you know um, – Split hairs about hat tricks and okay, if you hit a penalty, whatever, it's fine. I think if CJ Sapon had a hat trick back in like 2017 or something, where he had a uh, like a penalty, a tap in from one yard out, and then like an okay deflected goal or something. I mean, you score three goals in the game, it's amazing. Like you can't really take away anything away from it. But not all hat tricks are made the same. And if he scores a goal and then gets two penalties, it's like all right, he scored his three goals, but you can put an asterisk on it if you want. Instead, Carranza takes it. But then he got the, the great chip at the end, which is a beautiful skill check goal. And so I thought he deserved that, absolutely. But in your estimation, what do you when you watch Gosh Dog play going from last year into this year, or even the beginning of this year, even to this point of the year, what, what do you see in the way he's playing and what's, what's different? Like, What do you think has clicked for him? I mean, I, I think really his runs off the ball are just – they're so hard to track. I mean – we're both, you know, defenders here, <laughs> and just thinking about those guys. Like he, he is so hard to track because he runs so much off the ball, and you think he's going to pop up in one spot, and he actually pops up elsewhere. And yeah. you know, I think there were a couple plays in that game. I mean, not again, not yeah, not taking anything away from his goals, but the one where he had the shot saved, I think was was maybe the best play run he made all night. 
because yeah. he just he he pops up in the space. Um, he had he had several. I mean, you go back and look. There were just several runs where you're like, oh, like he he just he has this um, he has a sense for finding the space where it is. And I think too, like he's had enough time now with his teammates to you know they get the ball, they know. I um, mean, even on the penalty, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a dumb foul. Um, you know that he's a young kid. He's gonna he's gonna learn from that mistake. But but I mean, he makes that run. Um, you know, off off of I forget who passed him the ball, but. Uh, maybe maybe Carranza there, um, but you know he, he, you just know he's he, he's going to make. And I think initially people were like, "Why?" You know, he makes a lot of short passes. Like, what is he doing? But he's yeah. he's he's setting himself up on those plays, and he's running into those gaps that that you know they're only there because of the misdirection that he's creating by his runs. Yeah, he's a savvy ten. You know, and his yeah. brain, I think, is the best part of his game. Uh, and he's got a little bit of Chris Wondolowski in him in that he sort of, like, finds those back shoulder kind of spaces where you lose him for a second and he's going. You know, I, I think if you had to, like, use this multiple times, this is nothing new. I wish I had something better to say. But, you know, on the postgame show, you know, John Jansen and I are talking about Sean and Joe and I are talking about it. And they say, what is what is it with God's diary? To me, it's just recognition. Yeah. You know, it's like understanding he's moving before the second pass comes in, you know. So, like, you know, in that Montreal early in the year when they went and beat them up there, diagonal comes in, and before the ball even comes down out of the air, he's already making his run, his back post run. Because mm-hmm. his anticipation is like, hey, I think this ball is going to be brought down. It's going to be played in my path. You know, I think this is where the cross is coming out. I think this is where the defender's going to play. So he's just very cerebral in the way that he identifies space and knows where to get into. You know, he's got a, he's got a little bit of – Tranquillo Barnetta in him in that in that regard yeah. because not really well, Tranquillo was more of a volume guy. Like the more touches you got in the game, the better he was with it. Goshdog isn't really a number ten who needs the ball. Uh, yeah. You know, you wouldn't really expect him to have much of it based on the way that they play. You know, you can play over the top of the strikers, you can play the fullbacks, you can just let Goshdog kind of come up with those ghost runs, find the back shoulder, find the find the space, and run into it. And you know, for me, that's just, that's just been. His, his biggest asset for sure. You know, he's found a way to play as a number 10 in the system because the, the number 10, when you don't hold the ball, what is your number 10 in the diamond yeah. system? You know, Brendan, Brendan, they use Brendan as a pressing 10 out of it. Guys started using him as an off-ball weight runner, you know, trailing guy in the in the system. So it's different different things for different people, you know. Um, yeah, I, 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 oh, yeah. No, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to also add, I mean, he's playing with Kranz and Ua. I mean, those guys yeah. – You'll notice, uh, you know, and the interplay between those two is just is really cool to watch. I mean, yeah. how, um, you know, even like the other night, I thought Uwa was coming. Uh, he was dropping a, a little deeper than normal, uh, whereas Kranz is usually the guy kind of dropping deep. And, um, you know, there's obviously reasons uh, based on matchups for that. But because of because one of those guys is always sort of taking a center back with them, it's also helping to create that space that, that Gosh Dog is so good at exploiting. I mean, you're, again, you're saying like, how is he running the channel? Uh, you know, in that spot, it's because one of the one of the forwards has occupied a center back, and you know, you saw. I mean, Ua was just unbelievable. Um, you know, not yeah. scoring, but just just what he does with his pace and his you know just ability to to make to make runs that clear clear space for other people like gosh dog is is really um i mean he's he's worth uh he's worth twice what what they paid for him i think yeah so. and you're stacking you're playing two strikers right so you're stacking like one yep. striker at least on each of the center backs so you know then there's a responsibility on the, the, the 
humid to keep an eye on gosh dog and know where those trailing runs are. You've got to get your head on the swivel, right? And you know, just be able to find those gaps. I think it's, it's interesting too because if you look at the teams that the Union have had trouble with, it's when they play with something similar. You know, it's almost like the mirror matchup where you got two strikers and like a shifty number 10, like a Lucho Acosta or like, you know, Dallas had their front three and they're smaller guys, low center of gravity. Mm-hmm. Brujo kind of switches off for a minute. It's like, oh no, you know, Elliot and Wes has already have, have a guy because they have like two strikers up there, you know, so. But I think that's huge in kind of pulling those guys back, peeling them back, occupying those center backs and allowing Gosh Dog to find that space too. Because if they're playing Jim's old 4 2 3 1, and you just had CJ up there getting clobbered by two center backs. You know, there's never a ton of room for the tens in his system to operate. You know, how many times did you see Chaco Idana pull out wide, you know, or Marco Fabian come looking for the ball? Bork Dochka, I think, benefited from having Madunian in there and they can, they can possess a little bit. But, you know, traditionally in Jim's. Whatever system Jim's playing, they, those number 10s don't have like a ton of, a ton of space. Like, you know, Jim, and Jamiro, like, really wasn't even a number 10. Roland Albert wasn't really a 10 either. He was more of a second striker. So it's interesting to see Gosh Dog play. All these guys play, play the position a little bit, a little bit differently, you know, so it's good to see him thrive with that. He's got 16 goals now, so he's second in MLS in scoring. Five of those are penalties. You know, everybody can place their own individual value on, you know, penalties versus goals from the run of play. There's a skill to taking penalties at the same time, too. He hasn't missed one this year, right? Not that I can remember. Um, I, think so, I think the Union Twitter was kind of in a little bit of a huff, and I missed this originally because I think uh, Matt Doyle, uh, armchair analyst from MLSsoccer.com, has been on the show a couple times, said that he didn't even think that uh, Gosh Dog was the MVP. I, I think somebody brought up the case of Gosh Dog for MVP, and then Doyle said he's not even the MVP on his own team. Uh I, I kind of agree with that. Uh, it's just it's not, it's not an anti-gosh dog thing. It's just because they, they have other guys who are so damn good. Yeah, and I, you know, you, again, you go back to the to the back line, um, and you know what Blake what Blake provides for this team. Um, you know, it's yeah, it's tough. I mean, it, it, yeah, if you you go to my head, I don't I don't know who I'm I'm picking for MVP, and I think that's part of what makes this team, um, you know what they are, which is, you know, among the best two teams in the league. We can try. You want to try to do it? Here, I'll try to do it, right? Okay. <laughs> here's, the, here's the disclaimer. We're both defenders, right? So, of course, yeah. there's going to be some bias in here. But at the same time, this is what we were talking about 15 minutes ago. Even though the Union is scoring a bunch of goals, they're still the best damn defensive team in the league. I still think they're – it's crazy for me to say it, but I think they are a better defensive team than attacking team, right? So how can the team yeah. MVP – be the number 10, right? Even if he leads the team in goals. Like, if I had to do it, you know, and I have a friggin' conundrum right off the bat here, because I don't know, I, who do I pick? Elliot or Glessis? Or Kai Wagner, right? I mean, Kai Wagner has, you know, he's among the, the leaders in assists in the league from, as a last I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you, okay, ranking my union MVP candidates just on the team. One, I'll go one Wagner, two Elliot plus Glessis tie, which is the cop out. Three Blake, four Gosh Dog, five Bedoya. <laughs> I mean, is he like the, the fifth on yeah. that? No, he's number six because there's two for number two. So one, two, three. Elliot and Glasses. Blake would be fourth. Gosh Dog would be fifth. Bedoya would be sixth. I mean, it's insane to me. They just have and you still have Kronzo and Ua and yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I think who who would not be like okay? So they had the the Bizo and Harriel are like. Flop it over there, and then you have Leon Flock might be your tenth most important guy or whatever. But everybody else yep. on the field is like they're all of equal 
quality in the positions that they play. So I did think it was ironic though, that Matt did the, you know, had the gosh dog argument with the Twitter followers, and then gosh dog goes out and get that, gets the hat tricks. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I think if you if you if you look at it from more of a you know because it's hard for us because we're looking at it just specifically the union, um, yeah. which is a little different than you look at it from like the and I and I and I admittedly am not you know an expert on the league as a whole. I don't think anyone really is anymore. There's too many teams, but but if you look at it from that perspective, you know I mean he's he's not just a goal scorer. He's doing he's he's doing a lot of other things too and. He really has been, um, in a lot of ways, has been the engine of the team. I mean, he, you know, he he's provided all, he provides a lot of leadership. I mean, he's just he's a guy that you know you're you know you if you want to put a guy out there as a face of your team, like you can do far worse than Goshdog. I mean, I think he he is is the whole package as far as as players go. And also, by the way, he's very affordable. Um, he, <laughs> you know, yeah. for for what they were able to get. You know, they didn't pay a huge transfer fee for him. He's not a DP, and no. I mean, he's far exceeded uh, any expectations that were. And I think the expectations were high on him, and maybe that's why initially some people were like, "Well, you know, I thought this guy was going to be great. Like he's he's good, but he's you know, you know, hungry national team, all that." Um, but I think he has really uh, shown himself to be, um, you know, as as far as a league goes. I mean, you know. If, you know, I have no issue with him. I think he should be a league MVP candidate, uh, finalist yeah. probably. Uh, but within the team, it's just a little harder to sort of separate what what actually gets you know national media attention and what you know when you're following a team, what you actually see. It's a good conversation to be had, and then it takes you a step further into like, do defenders ever get the you know the respect they deserve? Like, how many Heisman Trophy winners have been defenders? I don't think there has been one since. Uh, what to say, Desmond, Desmond Howard, right? If I have that right, I don't know. But I mean, yeah, that, that, there's, like, there's layers upon layers of all that. I don't know if people can hear Baxter barking in the background. He's doing absolutely ape shit because I think there's a fox out back. But fox walks by every morning, man. And like, uh, first world problems here. Let me tell you all about my privilege of my dog. The most annoying thing being my dog barking at the fox that goes by the backyard. I think he thinks it's a cat. Because it's got like a bushy tail, it's like kind of the same size as the cat. So I think that's uh, yeah. why he goes crazy for the fox. But when you got the deer walking through the backyard, he could he could care less, you know. Um, anyway, that's just a quick A side there. So here's the thing: like Karanda, Gajdog, or uh, combined for something like thirty some odd, or I I forget what it is. The number is high. I think they're number one in the league as far as that combined group of guys, goals plus assists, right? So, and, and, and you know, and obviously Gajdog and Carranza have played more than Orr, so Orr has fewer, but if you, but his numbers relative to the amount of minutes that he's played, you know, his goals per 90 and his assists per 90 match up with those other two guys at the same time. So, I've always, I find it fascinating because if you're an opposing team, who do you, who do you game plan for, for the union, you know, or who do you worry about the most? Do you worry about Carranza? Do you worry about Orr? Do you worry about you know, like man-marking Gajdog and following him across the field. I think that's kind of an understated thing because you have teams like a – give you a Nashville, right? Uh, Hattie Mukhtar, right? Okay, let's mm-hmm. shut him down, right? CJ, CJ beats you, so beat it. But like on most of these other teams, like one or two like danger guys that you game plan for specifically. If you're, you're game plan against the union, like I, I don't know what you do. Like yeah. what do you do? 
Yeah, yeah, it's 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 tough because you know you could say, well, you put ten guys behind the ball, but then I mean it's hard enough to score against the union when when you uh, you know you put you push a bunch of guys forward. So yeah, it's, I think it's a it's a it's a challenging thing um, to, to you know again with when they're form when everyone's in form. I mean even Burke right now is in form, right? So yeah. I mean he's yeah. he has seven goals and he's. Uh, you know, fourth on the team in goals. And, yeah, like you said, there's uh, 38 goals between Gajdog, Karanza, and Ura and 20 assists. So pick your poison, really. Yeah, I mean, that's important. You, it's important for C, or, uh, for CJ, I'm sorry, for Corey, to, even if he's scoring the fourth and fifth, the sixth goal of these games, it's important for him to score them regardless because yeah. his confidence stays up and he's like, hey, I'm seeing the ball go in the back of the net. And when you're playing two strikers after you traded Sergio Santos, I mean, he's going to be on the field every single time. You know, I mean, and he's one striker injury away from being a starter, right? You know, so they, they don't have anything behind him. It's Chris Donovan, right? Who hasn't really showed yep. much of anything. He's just kind of a body at this point. So don't just, don't disregard what I would say to people. Like, don't disregard the Corey Burke garbage time goal because yep. you want to keep his confidence up and you want to, you want to see him, see him score, you know? But I guess I don't, and this is the last tactical idea I have, but like, if you're an opposing team, I think you you have to either go all out and just throw bodies forward or sit everybody back and play like a Costa Rica five block and a four block or something and just say, okay, we'll give you the ball. When the union lose, when they lose possession, punt the ball back to the union and make them break you down and just try to just yeah. try to play pure counterattack against them because I don't know. I think if that's the only weakness for the union uh, offensively, like you saw the other night against Colorado, say, hey, can you break us down? Even when we're down, yeah. man, I think their 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 weakness defensively is like your Lucho Costa type of small, chippy dudes who are kind of hard to knock off the ball, especially for bigger, taller guys like like Jack and Jacob, you know. So, um, and, yeah, you, and the area, you know, I thought Areola out wide, um, you know, created some problems for the Union in that FC Dallas game, right? So, I mean, again, yeah. they had they had chances early. They 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 should have buried too. So, I think, yeah, the early goal still is sort of the way to the way to you know get an early goal and then sit back and, and hope you can absorb um, absorb all the pressure. Let's just do a quick uh, schedule uh, exercise here, a couple of tidbits of this. So the Union are first place in the East, 54 points, 1.93 points per game, plus 37 goal differential, which is ridiculous. Uh, Montreal second with 49. <laughs> New York City kind of fading at 45 here. Uh, then Red Bull, Orlando, Miami, Columbus, Cincinnati, New England, Toronto, blah, blah, blah. Um, is there anybody in the East that worries you? Uh, well, honestly, I think the four-five winner is is always going to be a concern. I mean, assuming they get that first seed, that top seed, because there is a buy. Um, uh, you know, maybe maybe it's weird to say that the lower seeded team is more of a concern, but right now you have Red Bull and and I think Orlando in there. So the winner yeah. of a Red Bull Orlando game might actually be the toughest game they they face until the until the final. You really, you, seriously though, you're really not worried about Red Bull or Orlando at home, are you? Not, re- you, not really. But Red Bull, I mean, Red Bull though, it can be. You know, if you think about some of the games that they've played, it, it's been a little bit of a knife's edge, and and, and those those past yeah. playoff games. They can flop it up. They can turn that into like a shit show yeah. and just you know press all over the field, and then you go sloppy like a one nothing or something like that. I can, I can yeah. understand why that would be. A- I'm le- I'm less concerned about Orlando, but I, if they beat Red Bull, I, you know they could get some momentum from that. The only teams that I would really 
they may not even make the playoffs. Like, honestly, I look at the list of Montreal, NYC, New York, Orlando, Miami, Columbus, and there's your playoff line. Cincinnati, eighth, New England, ninth, Toronto, tenth. The only teams that I think match up with them and would give them problems, and we'll see how Toronto looks at the end of the year, but Cincy and Toronto, like, you know, Lucho Acosta, Brandon Vasquez, Lorenzo Insigne, Federico Bernadeschi, you know, it's like, those, like, I look at this team as like good attacks and like guys who can carve out goals and like wonder if that's iffy. But I'm not, I'm not worried about any of those teams. Now I look at like I look at the supporter shield standards. Look at the West. Like clearly the West is the better league. But if I had to rank the teams right now, Matt, I would go like I would go LAFC number one, slipping to the best team in the league. I would go Philly two, two A, and I would go Austin like a two B. I think between Austin and Philly, I think I don't think there's a third best team. I think I think Philly and Austin are probably like on the same plane. But then, yeah. to me, there's a big drop-off from there, Montreal to New York, down to Minnesota, you know. Um, I don't think – so So here's here's the math, right? Supporter shield. You need to play 28 games. L.A. has played 27. So L.A. has a game in hand. L.A. right now has 18 wins. Union have 15. L.A. 57 points and the Union 54. So here's the problem. Even if L.A. slips up and they give up a couple points here or there or whatever – Say the Union keep playing well, like say they finish tied or something. They they can't win the tiebreaker against LAFC because LA's got three more wins than they do. Yeah, the total wins and then goal difference because they're they're hammering them on goal difference right now. I mean LA's goal difference is like only. Um, and the union's thirty. And you only say that because the union are at thirty-seven. You know, it's, no, no. it's all it's all relative, right? I mean, normally you'd be like, man, twenty-seven. That's great. <laughs> but here's the thing. I'll just click there real quick. So the, the goal differential for the Shield winner of the last five years, New England won it last year with the goal differential 24. 20, 2020, when the Union won the Shield, it was 24. Uh, 2019 was the year that LA had no crazy LAFC year where they had the plus 48 goal differential. 2018, uh, Red Bull won the Shield, and they had the 20, plus 29 goal differential. And then you go back to 2017, it was the um, it was the Javinko Toronto team which was plus, yeah, yeah, plus 37. So the Union right now are on the same goal differential as the Toronto team with Sebastian Jamaica the one at all. You know? And it's crazy. I think they're not even – the Union aren't even in, in first place in the Shield. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you look, you go back to 20, 2016 and FC Dallas had a 10, and they, they, they won it. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. It's crazy, right? Um, well, so here's the thing. So the Union schedule – for the rest of the year. Okay, so you got home against Atlanta on Wednesday. Then you go to Red Bull, home to Orlando, at Atlanta, home to, uh, or, I'm sorry, at Charlotte, and home to Toronto. Um, to, to me, like they're not going to win all of them, but all those are winnable games. Is anything in there concern you? Home to Atlanta, home to Orlando, home to Toronto, at Atlanta, Red Bull, and Charlotte? Yeah, I mean, not really. Uh, I mean, the Charlotte one could be tricky. I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a different. They never played there. It's a different field. Maybe a draw. Um, but I don't think Charlotte's playing well. So um, yeah, it, it's not a. You know, you, you you think maybe maybe there's a loss in there, but in a couple of draws, but mostly I think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna keep keep winning the, most of those games. The problem with LAFC is so they, they have a little bit of a harder path, but they get to play Houston twice. So they go at Houston, home to RSL, at Dallas, at Minnesota, uh, home to Houston, at Portland, and then home to Nashville. So they've got a much harder path, but I, I don't I don't know. 
I don't see them slipping up to the point where they fall below. I think, if, I think, I think what's going to happen, honestly, if I had to make a prediction here, I think that the Union and LAFC finish title points. Yeah, I can and see that. I think, yeah. I, I think they get to go. I think they get the tiebreaker with like you know twenty wins or twenty one wins or something like that. The Union have like you know, uh, you know, nineteen or, or something. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah, because well, yeah, because you said LAFC has uh, they have one extra game, right? So. Pretty much, if they win, if they win like three or four more games, like there's there's no way that you can, uh, aside from finishing with more points, of course. But I just, I you know, again, I said this on the post game show. Like, it's not a hot take, you know. It's not me like saying shit just to say shit or whatever, or being like super homer or anything. That but this team is a legit MLS Cup contender. Yeah. And like, quite frankly, I don't see anybody. I don't see why anybody in the East should keep them out of the final this year. I will say it straight up. I have people that, oh, don't jinx it or whatever, but, yeah, man, they should have been there last year. Yeah. And they would have been there last year if it wasn't for the COVID stuff. Yeah. So it's not a hot take to say that they are the best union team of all time. They're good enough to win MLS Cup. They are should they should be the favorite to go from the East. You know, I don't, I don't think that's Absolutely. No, not at all. And, I, you know, I mean, the, the, only, the only thing I – the only thing that I, I worry about is that so often you get crap finals and it's like, you know, the fourth place team versus the sixth place team or whatever, just because of the way playoffs sometimes fall. But in terms of, you know, if, if they lose, it will be, it will be an upset against anybody, but maybe LAFC and, uh, you know, LAFC wins the Sporters shield. Do they go to MLS cup? I don't even, I don't know. Um, I think they'll have, they'll have, it's not, it, it, they, they probably will have a harder path. Um, you know, playoffs in the West tend to be a little bit more challenging anyway, just with the yeah. travel. Yeah, um, I mean, that's I mean, if you have to go to RSL, RSL is not a good place to play. Uh, Colorado is Colorado's bad, but yeah. Look at the four or five in the West right now, Dallas and Nashville. Yeah. And then you got the Galaxy at, at seventh, you know, with uh, with their new guy from Barcelona, man. So, I, I, yeah, I definitely would not want to go through um, the Western Conference at all. Um, all right, one uh, final topic I think I have written down here is uh, my favorite topic of the week or the last two weeks. It's the Premier League Fan Fest coming back to uh, Philadelphia as uh, revealed by JT Jonathan Tannenwald. Uh, they were supposed to, so they were supposed to do – everybody knows what I'm talking about. They were supposed to do the, the Premier League Fan Fest where all the NBC people come down. It's a big festival and blah, 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 and you go and hang out with a bunch of soccer people. It's a college game day for Everything. They were going to do it in 2020. It got uh, pushed back because of the pandemic. Um, was that a March, March 2020 thing? Or? Yeah. Um, or April? It was like early in the pandemic, I guess? I want to say, yeah, I want to yeah. say it was early. Right, yeah. So uh, I had plenty of thoughts on that. I got a lot of feedback on the stuff I said about it, but uh, I will actually talk to you first and share your thoughts on that. I mean, you know, it's it's. I'm definitely not the 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 market for for that type of thing. Um, I mean, it's cool in, in the sense that they're you know it, they were going to have it and people were excited about it and, and and they're they're bringing it back. They haven't forgotten about Philadelphia. I mean, I did go to the the TL, TLA when uh, you know the um, um, Men and Blazers guys in their show yeah. and yeah. you know it, it, so it was, it, I feel like it's probably going to be a vibe like that. A lot of people wearing uh, Premier. League jerseys, um, 
Yeah. And, you know, it, it's cool that there is enough support in Philadelphia for uh, for soccer and for Premier League soccer. I'm just not I'm, – I'm just really not a big I, – I, I watch teams. I don't watch leagues. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm not I'm not really the guy that will be uh, – you know, if my kids were like, hey, I really want I, – I love Everton, let's go, whatever. But I'm not, I'm not at that stage yet. But like, <laughs> you're not going down there wearing the Liverpool jersey that your wife got you for Christmas last year, right? <laughs> no. I've been a Liverpool fan my entire life since 2019. <laughs> That's why I joke about it because I called it the, the Premier League Euro snob fest. And I wrote a column about it in Crossing Broad, and I, I did my. I had to clarify that because nobody actually read the column, and they just started ripping me. So I had to go on Twitter and explain my uh, thought process here. But it's consistent with what I've said on the podcast for the six years that we've been doing this now, and what I've been saying on Twitter and whatever. It's like. I'm totally cool with the Premier League. And I watch it every week. You know, I'm watching Brendan Aronson. I, I watch Chelsea, Man United. I actually always like watching it without having a rooting interest because you don't feel, you know, a certain way. Maybe, maybe that's my problem, Kevin. I, I need to not, I need to not watch Arsenal. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, there you go, right? I mean, I get disappointed enough. I've had my, like, soul snatched from my body from watching West Virginia football for the last 20 years. So I get enough, like, disappointment and emotional, like, uh, <laughs> volatility as it is without having to uh, adopt, you know, Tottenham or something. Yeah. But um, I've always had a problem with the Euro snob type who will go and do the Premier League thing and put their shirt on and go down to Misconduct Tavern at 7 in the morning, but they don't care fuck all about the union. You know, and I always I always say it's like, I think to be fair too, man, and you, you well, I'm sure you'll probably agree with this, but I think the most, without doing any kind of scientific poll, I think the most soccer fans in this region will, uh, you know, support the union or the men's national team or the women's national team or maybe their kid plays for, like, you know, FC, whatever. And, uh, you know, they might watch, you know, uh, Manchester United at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning before Penn State comes on. Right? So they're absorbing all different kinds of games, types yeah. of leagues and stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think most people are probably like that. Probably watch the union, probably at least respect the union. And then watch, you know, Premier League 2 or, like, La Liga or whatever at the same time. My problem has always been the people who love the Premier League or these European games, where they actively shit on on MLS, they shit on the union or whatever. It's like, dude, you don't you don't have to like the union, and you don't have to like MLS. But yeah. The delineation or the 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 point that I want to stress here, because people come back to me and they say, well, you know, the Arsenal fans in Misconduct Tavern at seven a.m. they're helping to grow the game here in the United States. Um, that's great. We don't need to grow the game here anymore. The game is fucking huge. Yeah. Yeah. Not 1970 where we're sitting here saying like, well, soccer, you know, has to, you know, it's going to come along. It's here, man. It's huge. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'm not interested. I'm not interested, Matt, in growing the game. I'm interested in growing the American game. Yeah. The domestic game, you know, our leagues, our players, our academies, our programs, you know, local. Philadelphia talks a big game more than anybody about supporting local. Yeah, you got yeah. guys who put on the Manchester United shirt, but you can't get them down to Subaru Park. So yeah. that's always been my thing. It's not, I, I don't, I'm not some like, you know, curmudgeonly like a gatekeeper kind of guy here. But if you're a soccer fan, really, really, really care about it, you'll support the game at any level, you know? Like, I see you going out and co- covering everything, man. You know? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. People, you know? Yeah, no, and, I, and that's definitely, like, it's it's always weird for me when, uh, I mean, we all have, we all get in those moments, like we're taking, like I was just recently in Nashville, I was taking a lift and, I said something about, yeah, you know, they got a great new stadium there. And the guy just had, like, zero – like, he didn't say anything. He had yeah. zero clue what I was talking about. Like, stadium, soccer, what is that? Where, where yeah. That's in Nashville. 
Um, and so you, you still get some, and, and it's weird when you get, you meet someone, you, you see someone wearing a, I mean, I, I saw a guy wearing an FC Cincinnati shirt at the market and he was like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about Cincinnati. I just like New Jersey. It got it like, you know, Marshalls or something, but, but, you know, well, you'll see someone in the Premier League and they, they, and I had a friend who can talk. I mean, he can, he knows all the teams, he knows all the lines. And I say, well, you know, the union are playing pretty well. He's like, wait, what? The union? Oh, oh, I don't know anything about that. Like, like, just, this is what it is, man. There's all these people, you know, it is like the four for four fan, and we talked about this with Jim, I guess, last time he was on the podcast. But, you know, you say, like, hey, who are you going to target hypothetically if you go and pick one? Do you want to target the four for four fan and try to get him interested in the union? Or do you want to target the Euro snob, right? And I always thought the Euro snob made more sense to go after because they already like the game. Right? Yeah. So, like, I can reach you. I'm not going to get my 65 year old uncle who hasn't no. given a shit about soccer for 65 years to get him to care now, right? So yeah. it's like a lost cause in that point. But, you know, what you have here now is you have people saying, like, you know, you, people who used to just say soccer is for, like, fairy boys and for Euro people or whatever. You know, now they now they don't say that anymore. They say, well, it's not the biggest league here, okay? But we don't make yeah. it the biggest league yeah. unless you get some help, right? And, like, people always talk a big game about American exceptionalism and all this other horseshit, right? And it's like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you want, you know, to our leagues to continue to grow and be the best thing ever? You know, we, we don't grow the game if you guys are actively shitting on it. You know, so that's why I said yeah. that video. Be be part yeah. of the solution. Don't be part of the problem, you know. Yeah, and I, and I think yeah, and I think too, like no nobody is kidding themselves. Like like I've never met anybody and I'm sure they exist, but I've never met anyone who says, Yeah, the MLS is better than Premier League. You know, I watch yeah. MLS because it's the best yeah. league in the world. Maybe it's you're not, not under any league. like illusions here that like And 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 it's a similar thing, and you know, I said this briefly. High school soccer is bonkers, right? It is like you never know what's going to happen. I love going to high school games. Like, are they? Is it? Is it? Is it academy level soccer? No, it's great because it's fun, and you don't know what's going to happen. MLS is bonkers. It's a fun league, and it, 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 you just have to embrace it for what it is. And again, I'm, I'm I, there's a lot not to like about MLS. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like. Uh, sit here and say, oh, MLS is this or that. I mean, I, I actively dislike it a lot of the time, but the actual games going there, it, it's fun. It's, it's, it's exciting. Um, you know, yeah, my dad's, my dad, like, he, he's, he, he's never going to get on board. Um, he, he's too busy talking about the second base rule. Um, that's all he's been talking about for, like, the last, you know, however long the, the MLB, MLB put it in. I, mean, I, I call him up, hey, I was going, yeah, well, you know, someday there's going to be a perfect game. That's going to blow, and they're going to – I'm like, okay. He's never going to get on board, but yeah. my niece, my nephew, my my kids, every you know, this is this is this is where things are going, and you know, you just you just got to embrace embrace the fun and 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 whatever it is, like like you said, like you know, go to your local, um, you support your local high school, support your local you know MPSL team, all the is it, it's part of it's part of growing the game, but it's also it's a it's a good time. Like I I actually enjoy. Uh, sometimes I enjoy going to games where I don't have to like buy a ticket and uh, you know wait in line for security, and I can just watch yeah. watch a game, you know. And, and I enjoy that being outside. And you know, my kids don't really like going, but um, sometimes I drive them and and force oh, yeah. them to have fun too. So, <laughs> two hypotheticals here, and then we can wrap it up. When pe- whenever people say, "Well, it's just the minor leagues," MLS is the minor league. Okay, so are all the people at the Iron Pigs game and the Reading Phillies game wasting their fucking time? <laughs> right, so we should never like consume like a, a quote unquote lesser product like that. Doesn't make any sense to me at all, you know. Um, in the minor league leagues in baseball, those guys are trying to make it improve and trying to get to the major league. 
than MLS. We're trying to get on the same level as other leagues. So, oh, it's a minor league. I'm never going to watch it. It's horseshit. You know? um, and then I've always been interested in this. I don't really have an answer for this, and you probably don't either, but I'll try asking you anyway. Um, I always wondered if this works in reverse. And what I mean by that is like, so let's say, for example, you have a 25-year-old guy who lives in Turkey, right? Uh, and he's a big basketball fan, right? And he's like a huge LA Lakers fan because like the NBA is the biggest, biggest league in the world, right? Yeah. Does that dude also support like pick your team Besiktas? Or does he not give a shit about, you know, the Turkish league because the NBA is the best? And then do people, is there like a Turkish Kevin Kincaid who bitches about like American stars? <laughs> I don't know. I maybe my doppelganger's over there, but I've always wondered that. Like, does it work both ways? You know, you'd think it wouldn't be just because of. I mean, some of these clubs are multi-sport clubs, and they're uh, you know, and that's something we don't really have here. The whole idea of a, you know, Barcelona's got a good basketball team, et cetera. But um, you know, the uh, or maybe Real Madrid's the one with the good. I don't. I don't know. Um, but like, we don't really have that. That, like, ingrained culture. I mean, Sporting Kansas City had all these plans to have, like, a lacrosse team and all that, but that never materialized. But So I think it is different in the sense that, like, we're, we're just so much more fragmented. And, I mean, you think about just how fragmented we are in general. Like, look, think about TV shows. Like, um, try to find, like, a random person you're, like, sitting next to on the bus if they've actually watched the same show you've watched in the last, like, you know, year or yeah. two. You can't – everyone's got their own little thing, their own little niche. And I think soccer is sort of – just kind of become another one of those those things where, um, you know, you wear you wear your jerseys out because they look good, but also because you know you, you never know who you might run into. You might make a connection yeah. with a, another fan of you know uh, second division team in uh, you know Germany or Spain or something. Well, we'll have to get that's a, your uh, thing. We'll have to get a, you'll have to get a Turkish basketball fan on the show to answer that question. Maybe we'll have a panel, like an Istanbul panel or something. Do you have Euro snobs? Is there yeah. an American Euro snob? Uh, but that's neither Euro Yeah, no, and I like – it is interesting, though, to, to think about that from that perspective because, again, it, it, we think so much about, you know, we're so proud of our American sports and everything, and um, yeah. we assume that everybody loves them. But, I mean, when I lived in London, you know, I, I like – I, I'm not an NFL fan, but like I've met some people who would, you know, get up at you know ungodly hours to watch NFL football games or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so there's a there's a you know people have various reasons to connect. I mean, all those Eagles fans in London or whatever, uh, um, you know, have have various reasons to connect with that. But um, yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of one of those things where um, you know, 2026 is coming. We're going to have the World Cup, and, and hopefully more people get on board with, with what we're doing here in this country. You know, hopefully we get a women's team. I mean, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, if you don't want to support MLS, and support USL, support NWSL, support, you know, you yeah. don't have to it support. Yeah. It doesn't have to be MLS. You know, American soccer comes in all shapes and sizes, and I think the more people who, who adopt their local team, because there's a lot of markets that don't have MLS, and, 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 and I, I actually think that's – sort of the growth of, you know, the independent, you know, Louisville. I was at a Louisville City game earlier this year, an incredible stadium. Tampa Bay, these, like, independent um, independent USL teams are, I guess they're just USL teams now because MLS is yeah. <laughs> not doing that anymore. But, like, you know, that's that's a big part of that, too, is that supporting American soccer, whatever, whatever your local team is, I think is important. Yeah. Well, just to sum up my message, you know, it's either get on board or get done. Fuck, Allie. No, I'm just kidding. 
Everybody is welcome as well as you support the union too. Uh, Matt Ralph from the Brotherly Game. You guys know where to find him. Thanks, man. It's always a pleasure. It's great to talk about a union team that's just clobbering opponents six to nothing. Maybe you know they'll do another six nothing against Atlanta. You know, and I'll be back in front of this microphone trying to trying to figure out how to talk about their greatness and just being you know befuddled by all of it. But uh, you know, it's a good problem to have. Uh, all right, so it's soccer in Philadelphia, and uh, I'm sorry I solicited questions from everybody. I just didn't have time to get to them. So I got Eagles shit to do, but I promise I'll do them next time. Peace.